Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know it is my absolute pleasure to bring you top-notch people to share their thoughts and opinions and all the good stuff with you each week. And so this is not going to be any different. So let me introduce our guest today. I'd like to welcome a very special guest, Ollie Chandhawk, um, market president and publisher at publisher. I can talk, I swear. Let's do that again. Market president and publisher at the Dallas Business Journal. Ollie has been with the Business Journals for more than 12 years, and he got his start in Charlotte, North Carolina. He then moved into a corporate role to get a more global understanding of the Business Journals before moving to the Triad Business Journal in North Carolina. Thereafter, he found his new home in Dallas and has brought us the latest news on business growth, trends, and strategies over the last several years. Ollie, thanks for joining us today. Casey, happy to be here. I am just so excited because, and I think I told you this when we first talked, I have followed the Dallas Business Journals for years. It is a staple in my office. Well, I'm happy to hear that. It's, it's a, hopefully it's a staple in a lot of offices. We're everywhere and we like to, we like to deliver, hopefully. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have to bring up the book of list. How long have y'all been doing that? Do you have any idea? So, so we've been doing that from the start. I, I'm pretty sure well before my time, this is 1977 when we started here. So I'm guessing it's 44 years old. Wow. Yeah. So incredible. And for those of you out there that don't know what the book of list is, this is a list that the Dallas Business Journal puts together every year of, depending on the industry, the top 25 to 50 companies in every different area. Right on. So, so if you're looking for information as a, as a prospecting tool, as just a general mm -hmm. reference guide, everything's in there. Every business in, uh, in the Dallas region yeah. is in there. And, and we do it all year. We produce these lists all year. And at the end of the year, we compile them into one giant important book. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's so funny because I get the Dallas Business Journal, they, they bring it to me and the first thing I look, I'm like, what's the list this week, you know? Yeah, totally. That, that, that's one of the most popular spots yeah. in our, in, literally that we do all year and every single week. It is probably the first place that everybody goes. That is awesome. Okay, so I kind of jumped ahead here because one of the things that I like to talk to our audience about is how I got connected with people because I think it's so important that you're always reaching out to your network and that you're always, you know, getting those introductions and getting those connections. So do you remember how we got connected? We met at uh, with our friend Jeff Crilly. He made the introduction to yes, us, right? That's absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff is a terrific guy. He's supported the business journal for years now and we're just we're happy to know him and obviously happy for the introduction. Yeah, it was great because we were sitting there talking to him and we're like, who do you know with the Dallas Business Journal? He's like, I know lots of people. <laughs> he, does, he knows everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, and of course you guys record in the same studio, mm -hmm. so that was helpful Absolutely. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, do, we do, so So Jeff helps us out with a bunch of our, our uh, virtual event programs, intros, interviews, all that kind of stuff and um, couldn't thank him enough for all the help he gives us. Well, and I know um, you just did, I believe you said you're women in technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so was that a virtual event or did y'all do that? That, that? that is the, that's the, it was virtual, but that's the whole world we're in now, right? right. We, we, we've pivoted, we've transited, I hate that word, but we, mm -hmm. tra we transitioned to this whole virtual, almost like a television broadcast 
no more hotel ballroom and we do these live broadcasts via TV studio. We'll go back at some point, but I think some of the things we've learned over the last year, we're going to take those those little pieces, the interviews, the video recordings, we'll weave those in to our live in-person programs at some point and we'll start again. We'll figure out how to do that very effectively as well. And I, I, I think that's just around the corner. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> we are yeah. so worried because I am so tired of not being able to see my friends in person. Yeah, I, I hate doing the, the, I hate, don't tell Jeff this, but I hate recording in the studio by myself with one camera instead of 500 people at the yes. Ritz or, you know, you know what I mean? It's, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. We just started with our networking group. We just started meeting again in person and it was just like, hugs all around everybody was yeah, like i'm yeah. vaccinated hug me it, it feels like people are ready to get back right like yes. I mean, everybody's on the go and kind of back in the mix and we're, we're just you know the business journal we're just starting to get back into uh in-person meetings client meetings those kind of things and then eventually the events will happen um next couple months yeah because i know you guys host quite a few events i've been to some of them so i i am i'm ready let's let's do yeah, it so. I hear you, I hear <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about why you're here today mm -hmm. so um you know i know that if you take a quick look at linkedin the dallas business journals always posting articles and talking about pe companies that are moving to dallas and stuff like that why do you think these companies are moving here that that is a, a great question and i get that a lot yeah uh, you know it's it, uh it, it's there's many many reasons right and I'm, I'm one of the folks that moved here i moved here two and a half years ago yeah. um from north carolina so so a different transition but you know you hear the standard answers you hear about tax policy and uh and and really a, a predictable regulatory environment there's not a lot of surprises on the regulatory mm -hmm. front i think the most important part of why why these companies are transitioning here is talent i mean it always goes back to talent right the workforce your ability to hire and recruit people is so important as you you know this very well um you know and, and what dfw has is what the talent wants is a is a good quality of life right live work play mm -hmm. and, and we have that here right it's less commute times it's uh you know that's kind of tapering off a little bit it's getting yeah. worse <laughs> uh, we have we have good places to live nice restaurants all of those amenities that talent wants and so the companies come along because they know they can recruit here and find a strong workforce and i you know i can't um many other reasons but that to me is probably the top top uh, reason i get when we talk to executives out there interesting interesting do you find that these companies reach out to you before they make the decision to move to dallas do you feel like you're having a little bit of an impact on that <laughs> so we have an impact we're trying to have an impact so we've we've created some things on our website around economic development mm -hmm. um different platforms for the for the economic developers the cities around here to deliver their message to like showcase their region almost so we're mm -hmm. trying to help on the news front we hear about it we hear about these these relocations a couple days a couple weeks in advance but all of it is embargoed so until we're told we can publish we don't uh... we don't publish um so we we do know a little bit about it but really the economic developers of the world, the DRC, uh, all the different chambers and, and um, EDCs, those are the folks that are making it happen. And, and here we have a terrific group of those folks. They do obviously do a really good job. Exactly. So, you know, with so many companies moving to Dallas, what? how can they do it in a way that makes an impact in the community and attracts a buzz, you know, so yeah. that people want to go work for them? Yeah, that, that's a, that's the key question, right? Once yeah. they get here, they, they do their due diligence before mm -hmm. they get here, but when they do, one of the things I think they realize is this community is, uh, you have to be involved, you have to be plugged in, you have to be somewhat charitable and somewhat uh, um, just involved in the nonprofit community. And and I think that's the way to do it. There, I have a really good example, actually, my friends at uh, um, 
at PNC, PNC Bank, mm -hmm. they made a move into the market several years ago, and and really their focus has been just to support different nonprofits, and, and really um, education is their top priority. And so they've, they're they starting to grow. Their business is growing very quickly. They're opening up new solution centers and new new retail locations. And I think if they've done it just really by making the name for themselves in the community with the nonprofits and the charitable organizations that they're involved in. So, so they're one example, but I think to do it well, you have to get plugged in um, outside of just your general day-to-day -day business activities. And I think so too. And I think back to when Toyota came and the buzz yeah. that they created. What do you think that was about? Well, they're huge. I mean, Toyota, Toyota brings with it, you know, I think they were before me. So, so I, oh. I've, done some, I've done some reading just to kind of learn about them. I, I got to know a couple of their executives. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they brought 4,000 jobs and, and, you know, they brought people with them, but ultimately employed a lot of folks that were already here. Yes. And, you know, for every, every person, that's a, that's a family. And the economic impact of all those people that are here driving around, spending money, uh, buying a home, um, all of those things multiply, right? So when they came, I, I mean, they, they make a major impact, but then they also bring suppliers. So they're, some of their vendors come along, they relocate here as well. So the, the, you know, the economic developers, they could probably tell you the actual dollar impact and right. the jobs impact, but it's more than 4,000 people. It, it, you know, it's, it's probably a 10 times multiplier after you all said and done. And as like just living in that area, I kind of live near there. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's changed that whole area, right? Like it's hard to get around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's definitely grown. Yeah. And I won't tell you, but when, <laughs> when I was in high school, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. <laughs> I believe just last year, right? Just last year. <laughs> and yeah, this is a really amazing growth. Um, but I went to a little booty school in high school and we used to play Frisco. Okay. <laughs> Because they were that small back then. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't that long ago, people. Come on. Now, so, now it's 11 high schools or something? Up yes. There? Yeah, yeah, and they're great. all like 5As. Yeah. They're huge. It's they're huge. max capacity. Absolutely. So it's, it's amazing how when those new companies, I'm not just saying Toyota, there's been other companies that have come in all up until this time that have you know, encouraged that growth, which is making it such a great place to come to. In fact, I think that you guys recently posted a story about Dallas holding the number three spot for most tech mm -hmm. postings. You know, in my world and of accounting and finance, you know, we're seeing a huge jump in that as well. And so, you know, what, how do you think this will help the DFW area's economic recovery? Do you think it's going to speed it up? I think, you know, I talked to our, obviously I talked to our editor-in-chief mm -hmm. quite a bit, Jeff, and, and, and we've talked a lot about how we're going to emerge from the, from the pandemic and all the fallout from that. Mm -hmm. um, he feels strongly that we're going to emerge faster than any other major metro. And part of it is that. I mean, there are a, a multitude of job openings out there already, and companies continue to come our way, right? So yep. it's almost it's almost like on the flip side, we've got to feed that workforce and that talent pipeline to make sure that we can support these companies. Uh, they bring they bring people with them, but but we also have to create the talent as well, right? So yeah, I mean, I think Dallas or Dallas Fort Worth in general is going to do very well. We just have to uh, we just have to continue to feed that pipeline, the talent pipeline. Absolutely, you know, and I think. <clears throat> How do we do that? Let's talk about that. How do we feed that talent pipeline? Well, you know, the, we have a um, terrific set of um, colleges and universities around mm -hmm. here. Dallas College is terrific. They've really kind of revamped recently and starting to make it a bigger name for themselves. They've already been uh, a major contributor to the to the to the workforce here. Um, you have all the big schools. You got UNT, TCU, SMU. You got UT Dallas, a major major mm -hmm. tech talent producer. Um, all of these schools are providing talent, right? And so so. Um, the, to go back to what I said earlier about live, work, play, 
we want to keep that talent, right? So, right. so, so a graduate at UT Dallas, um, do they want to live in Dallas or do they want to move somewhere else, right? And I think we're doing a great job of retaining that talent here. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that that whole um, the, the academia folks have to continue to produce the talent, but then we as as business people have to figure out how to keep them here. And I think we're doing a good job, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see if we can support all of these corporate relocations. Yeah, so that's so interesting because I'm, again, going back to my world, I'm a recruiter. Mm -hmm. And so I get called all the time, particularly, not going to call any, out any state, but California, <laughs> people wanting to relocate to Dallas. And, you know, and one of the things that I'll tell them is a lot of times my clients won't offer any kind of reload assistance. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we don't care. We just want to get to Texas. And it's been really interesting how that number has spiked, especially since the pandemic. Right, right. I, I saw, actually looked up some statistics around this. There's a, I think it's uh, John Boyd. He's like a site selector type guy. Oh. Um, his, his math tells us that um, for a company to move from California to Texas specifically, they save 20% and 20% mm -hmm. and of all of their, uh, of their profits, of their margin, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's across the board and it, it comes in the form of um, um, commercial real estate. The, the, the office space is cheaper, comes in the form of taxes. Of course, there's a significant tax savings. Uh, the payroll is lower, quite frankly, it's a little mm -hmm. bit of, you, you don't have to pay as much here than you do to somebody sitting in San Francisco. Um, there's all of these reasons that actually add up for a, for a big major employer to consider Texas. And then, and then one of the things I said earlier, we're in a predictable regulatory environment. So you don't expect things to change year upon year. There's not a lot of crazy things that are about to happen. So it's a little bit easier to do business here, just cost wise. And then you take that even further, the employees themselves, no personal income tax, right? Mm -hmm. Less commute times, a lot of cool spaces here. You know, Frisco is uh, what the, the, the next uh, sports city or something like that. There are all of these selling points that make it very attractive. And, you know, again, I'm not going to call out any city. We've got, business, we've got business journals in California, so they're, they're my friends. Um, but it's, but it, it is, uh, it's definitely easier to do business here. It, it is. And especially like, you know, I, when I talk to these businesses, there's so many rules and regulations in other states who I shall not call out again. <laughs> but just even like for electronic transmission of data, mm -hmm. I mean, it is so strict. And people are like, like, we're even kind of we're very hesitant to work with people coming out of california because their hiring laws are so different like you can't ask them how much they make right right where you can in texas and, and most other places you can. right yeah. i think there's three states that are doing that now yeah. where you can't ask them how much they make and i know interestingly enough when i was working with toyota they adopted that policy ahead of time i see okay. to not ask people how, what they are currently making but matching them to the, what they're worth in the market. Right. So they pay the rate in the market. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. What's fair in the market. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, and I'm not sure if you know this, but where this comes into play is that, you know, if you tell me you're making 60,000 and you want to make a hundred thousand, I'm going to be like, good yeah. luck. Right. <laughs> Even if you're worth that in the market. Sure. Because employers are going to say, okay, 60,000, 10% raise. We're all good. Right. Even if you should be making a hundred. Right. Our going rate is our going rate here in Texas, and it hasn't quite caught up to the, to, to the coastal markets, quite frankly. It's not just California, but even the some of the East Coast cities are, are difficult to, or they're, they're prohibitive because of their costs. Yes. Um, you know, the New Yorks of the world, DC, Philadelphia, they're expensive. And they are, and yeah. that's another good reason to move to Texas. Cost of hey, living. I don't disagree. I don't <laughs> So, okay, so Plano and Frisco, we just talked about mm -hmm. them. They're really the new hotspots for corporate um, 
headquarters, but we're also seeing growth in McKinney and Allen. Yep. And I don't know if you've gone north on 75 past McKinney yes. lately. Yeah, yeah, it never ends. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Bucky's out there now. I know, I know. It's, crazy. it's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think's driving this growth? So, so not to sound like a, a, a suck up or anything, but, but we have a really strong set of economic developers here. So, so in Allen, Dan Bowman and his team, they're very, very um, intentional about what they do. So, so for example, I use Dan, for example, they recruit companies, they're trying to recruit companies that are focused on technology. And so Dan has built almost like this Northern tech hub north of Dallas, right? And McKinney is doing similar things in that they're very intentional about the type of companies that they recruit. So, so there's almost like this critical mass of companies that stick together. And so they do it very smart. And then, and then you think about, I'm gonna to go to a different geography, but think about Irving. Mm -hmm. Irving tags itself as the headquarters of headquarters. And it's, it's definitely that, right? I, yeah. I don't know how many they have, but like all the big headquarters are in Irving. That's who they recruit. That's who they're comfortable with. And that's who wants to be together. And so, so, so you know, these, these economic developers are very savvy and they're very smart about it. But, you know, to go back to your question, living there, I live right there. I live on the McKinney Frisco line. Um, it's, it's easy to live there. I mean, there's a lot, of, I'm gonna go back to that whole live, work, play. I've got a lot of entertainment options. Yeah. A uh, cost of living is the, the cost of a home. It's starting to skyrocket, but it didn't two years ago, right? So right. it's relatively affordable compared to some of the coastal markets again. So, you know, the people go there, the talent goes there and it, it it's attractive to an employer to plop their, their big factory off 75 in McKinney because they know there's a lot of talent right around there. Um, so there's, there's, there's multiple reasons and it's going to continue. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Well, and I think just personally that it's kind of smart to move it to McKinney or Frisco because people are moving out into the suburbs mm -hmm. even faster into like your prospers and your, you know, even Melissa going north on 75. So these people want that open air and that open space and, and the houses are still a little bit cheaper out that way. Right, right. That's because you're gonna have to commute if you work anywhere downtown, right? <laughs> Which is no fun. But going back to the economic development committees, I was actually privileged to serve on one at one time with, um, no, I wasn't doing the economic stuff, okay? <laughs> I was on the, on the board. committee. Yeah. Yes, I was yeah. on the board <laughs> representing the city. Um, but it was just like amazing the amount of work that goes into discovering who you need to bring in. Yeah. Yeah. What needs to come in? Where they need to go? And this was for, you know, the little town of Addison. It's 4.5 square miles, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I yeah. can't imagine doing this for Frisco or Allen it's or Dallas. Weird. Yeah. I, I heard that, um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Dale at the D Dallas Regional Chamber, Dale Petrosky, and, and he told us that his pipeline for potential prospects, like companies looking in, is now larger than it was before the pandemic. And so, so you know, the pandemic for whatever it did, but it accelerated the the potential for all of these corporate relocations. I, I think it made people more mobile and, yeah. and companies more mobile, right? Where it's, you know, why do I have to live here? We all kind of learned how to work remote. We learned yep. how to do Zoom calls and Teams calls and all that stuff. So there's a lot of um, our, our, our consideration shifted back to, to quality of life versus the quality of like the, the efficiency in your office. You can do it from home. So, so why do we have to live in a certain, you know, very dense urban office market where we can live in Melissa, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and that brings up my next question because, you know, a lot of our companies are still remote, but we work oh, with yeah. a lot of our clients. Yeah. <laughs> and But we are starting to see a little bit of movement to people going back in the office, but we're also seeing that hybrid role, yeah. right? Yeah. So what do you think that holds for the future 
as fun. That that's the million dollar question, right? Like yeah. everybody, <laughs> we ask that of people, and I get all kinds of different answers. I honestly don't know. I I, I think you know. I think you, if you want to retain your talent, because all of these companies are going to offer some sort of work remote or hybrid, you have to as well. Or, mm -hmm. or you know, if if my team, if I told them they had to be in the office Monday to Friday, nine to five, I think I would lose some people yep. because they could go other places where they can work from home Monday and Friday. You know, so so I, I think we have to employ some sort of a hybrid hybrid work schedule. Um, I think there is huge value in having people together in the office at least once or twice yes. a week. But you know, certain, and I, and I think it depends. It depends on the the industry of the company, but also the individual roles within the company. I know for us, our salespeople don't really need to come in the office. They right. they can be in there one day a week for a meeting, and then they 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 go on their client meetings. Our reporters are on the road quite a bit, and they can meet once a week and go on the road. But the rest of our staff, our operations folks, designers, those kind of people, we probably need them in the office, right? So so it depends on the role, and it depends on the industry. I mean, people like. Uh, you know, um, cert certain jobs, I guess, is what, mm -hmm. I'm, what I'm getting at. They've got to be there physically. Right, where, your you know, assemblers, your manufacturers, right, right. people like that, that. They have to be there. Right? Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. For us, you know, a lot of the professional services folks too, you know, lawyers, attorneys, um, accountants, they can they can work remote. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, it's interesting that you say that about you're going to lose, like you might lose people if you told mm -hmm. them that you had to be in the office Monday through Friday because prior to the pandemic in recruiting, you know, people would say, I want a job that's 100% remote. And I'm like, I'm not going to be your best resource. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm like, are you willing to go on site? You know? Mm. And I have people that are wanting 100% remote work and they're going to find it. Yeah. Because it's out there. And we found that we are just as productive, work, if not more so, yeah. working from home yeah. than we are in the office. But I do agree with you that I think we need to have those times where, yes, have that hybrid, but bring them together because we need people. We're, mm. we're social animals. I, I, you're right on. In fact, we're, we're interviewing for a couple of spots right now, and I find myself asking that same question. Are you okay with going yeah. into the office? Because it's a consideration. I, it completely flip-flopped. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. And and really, and you know, the candidates that I'm working with, they've got the power because accounting and finance is, it, mm -hmm. it's, we, we lost momentum, but I think that was just out of fear at the beginning. We didn't lose it for as long as some of the other industries did. Right. You know, right. once everything started opening back up, we were moving again. We're almost, I would say we're probably just as busy as we were pre-pandemic. Uh, absolutely. With yeah. jobs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. That's great to hear. That, and that's what I'm hearing in your industry, that mm -hmm. there is a lot of traffic. There are a lot of companies looking to hire. And, and you know, I, I, I think um, a lot of industries and businesses didn't realize how quickly we would start to emerge like from the pandemic, like, you know, yes. obviously the big, the big hit was a year, 14 months ago. And it was kind of like, how do we deal with this? We all, right. we all got used to it and started to adapt, but now it's kind of like, I, I think even myself, I thought that we would get to a finish line and then we just flip the switch and we go back into the office exactly. and everything's, and I'm realizing now that it's just as hard to transition back into the office. There are all of these things that we have to think about. I have to look at my office space and like, do we space people out? Do we put up Plexi, do we put all, all these things that I've never thought of that before, you know? It's like, crazy. I, I, never, I never shopped for hand sanitizer. It was, just, it was just there, yeah. <laughs> it really became important there. Yeah. I mean, like with all the alcohol producing places switched to making, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, uh, the hand sanitizers. That was crazy. That was awesome. Yeah, it was cool that they did that. Yeah, that that really was. So, um, I know that you guys cover a lot on diversity mm -hmm. and inclusion. Um, you know, the efforts that are going on within our community. 
Are you guys seeing a growth in diversity in the area? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have a long ways to go. Yeah. But, you know, you're, yes, there are more, there's more consideration giving, um, given to hiring practices around diversity. Um, I don't know if, if we have a more diverse workforce yet, but I think large employers take that, in, they hold it in higher regard at the moment. I think mm -hmm. they're realizing the value of diverse backgrounds, diverse experiences, not just not just race, but but gender, ethnicity, um, um, sexual orientation, um, people with disabilities, you, you kind of got to take them all into account because they bring different experiences that yield really good results, right? It's not all from one channel. You start to get different viewpoints. And so it's become very important. We, we started, um, we have 44 business journals across the country. Here in Dallas, this is the, the middle of 2019, we launched a diversity and inclusion beat even before the events of, of 2020. And one of our reporters was assigned to that beat and that's all she covered. And just using Dallas as an example, we discovered that we really didn't do a good job of covering the Southern part of Dallas because you know we, we cover big business and we cover mm -hmm. middle market and we thought we were doing a good job. When, when Taylor Tompkins, who's now, she's, she's um, moving up in our world, she took over that beat and she uncovered all kinds of news that was happening with businesses that we hadn't covered before in the Southern part of Dallas. So, so it brought us, you know, selfishly, we got really good sourcing, really good content that was great for our readers. And so we benefited from from really opening up our eyes to diversity. So, you know, I can tell you from experience, every business out there should take a, a, a really elevated stance on looking at diversity and inclusion for sure. It certainly seems to be the buzzword now. Yeah. And like um, in my networking groups, there's a lot of people that I meet that that's all they do mm -hmm. is help companies with, you know, bringing that in and recognizing it and making it a point to have it a part of their company. So I think that you're right on that we, we've got a long ways to go, but I think we're on the right track when it comes oh, yeah. to that, yeah, for sure. I think so. And you know, I haven't traveled quite, well, nobody's traveled a lot in the last little while. But... I have, don't tell anyone. <laughs> oh, well, lucky you. I, I think it's gotta be different in different cities. Mm -hmm. You know, certain places are probably more open to the, to the um, um, experiencing diversity and, and just like employing people from diverse backgrounds. I, I think it's different where you go. Again, I'm getting ready to travel and see what it's like, but here in Dallas, we've got a ways to go, but we're on the right track. Like you said, we're doing all the right things to get there. So being with the Dallas Business Journal, it's your job to have your pulse on the community. What's really exciting you about the future right now? Man, like business-wise, I, I mean, we just talked about it. It's all of these corporate relocations. You, you sometimes hear some of the, the natives, the, the folks that have been here forever, they grumble a little bit because traffic's going to get crazy mm -hmm. and all of those things. But but these companies and these people that are coming to town, they bring a lot of positives with them. I mean, they bring a lot of, obviously, tax revenue. <laughs> those, are, right. those are the easy things. Our, our home prices are going up, which is good and bad. Um, you know, it, again, bring, brings a whole set of unique perspectives. And it makes the city itself a very multicultural place, a very... Um, um, interesting place just to just to not just to do business but also just to live and and get to know people i i'm excited for the city because my kids are going to grow up here mm. they're they're 12 and 14 so we still have tabs on where they go and all that kind of stuff but when they get you know when they get to 16 17 18 years old i i like the fact that they're going to grow up here versus a place that doesn't have a lot of diversity and there's not a lot of options and it's it's got walls around it Dallas doesn't. Dallas doesn't have any walls. You can kind of do what you want to do and learn what you want to learn. And, and that's what excites me about this, this city. I think yeah. now I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is, this has been a great conversation and it has flown by. 
Oh, you're awesome, <laughs> I, I love this, and we're going to have to talk some more about all of this, maybe off camera, but I do need to wrap this up, so I want to ask you our VIP questions. Okay. okay. Nobody gets out of here without asking okay. the VIP questions, or answering the VIP questions. So my first question is, if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what okay. three things or people would you take with you? Oh, man. Uh so, so it's probably boring. And if I didn't say this, my wife saw this, she'd be pretty upset. But I, I would, you know, I got to say the three people are, are my wife and two kids. Lucky you that you just have two. Yeah, right, right, right. So I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to choose, right? So, so if I didn't say that, <laughs> so, so I would, I would probably definitely golf clubs, right? So, so okay. golf clubs were a thing that like brought me. I grew up in Toronto, Canada, and golf brought me south, and so really? I, yeah, and so I ended up. I, I, and really, I've just now started getting back into it. Um, so I love my golf clubs right now. They're they're very important to me. Okay. <laughs> Sounds really weird. Um, I would probably um, this might sound really weird, but bring Tiger Woods with me so I have somebody to play with. You do like somebody golf. that would probably <laughs> beat the hell out of me if we were playing golf. Um, and and you know I, and and then I would bring my dad. So my dad passed Aww. away many many years ago when I was six when I was twenty in nineteen ninety five. Um, and he he was just starting to play golf, and he was just getting into it. I actually introduced him to the game, which is mm -hmm. which is backwards. Um, I would love to see him now, but I would love to see if if he's improved at all at golf, and then we could we could kind of hang out together with Tiger Woods and see if he could help him out. You know, I'm gonna have to make a note to myself. He likes golf. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I, I didn't for a very long time, but it's starting to come back slowly. There you yeah. Go. yeah. This is, I think, my favorite question of all. Th I like oh. all the questions, <laughs> but this is my favorite one because it tells me so much about you. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Um, so very routine. I wake up. Yeah. Uh, in fact, so my alarm's set for 5.30. I never sleep that long. I, uh, this is terrible, but I wake up in the 4 o'clock hour usually just automatically. It sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just happens, right? But I go to the gym every morning. So I wake up at 5.30ish. I'll get up and go, and I'm in there probably um, 6 to 7 o'clock. And then I come back, and everybody's kind of starting the day. When I don't do that, I feel terrible. Like I just can't get going all day. And I don't, I don't do anything, you can tell, I don't do anything special, but I just go and do a little bit of cardio, lift some weights and socialize with some people. And See, that's and what I, I would go for, socializing. That's really it. I mean, it's just light, but it, it wakes me up. That is yeah. awesome. That's awesome. And it's actually, I don't know if you've read The Miracle Morning or not. Have you read that book? No, I haven't. So that's when the one was flashing up and I said, that was one of my favorites. Okay. And I'm wearing okay. a t-shirt. So yeah. that's part of what he says makes people successful is when they have exercise as part of their morning routine. Awesome. It's one yeah. of the things we'll talk about. I that. can't do it without it. I can't go without it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll get up and I'll walk the stairs a few times. That ought to count for something. There you go. Yeah, so, that's something, right? Okay, so my final question. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Oh, uh, man, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. Um, if my life, I, I would life's work. Life's work. I, I would. I would honestly go to. It would be something like a legacy besides business. Um, and, and and the reason I say that is, I I pride. I don't know how to say this. I take pride in relationships and people saying, mm -hmm. "Ollie, you're a good guy." Those kind of things. I, I get a lot of Ollie. That's great. Your career's path has been great. You're the publisher of the Business Journal, and congrats, and that's nice, and all that. And and people know me from that. And Partly from the forty thousand emails we send out every day, <laughs> so, so so yes, it, it, the job is great, and I enjoy the career, and I enjoy serving the community with news and information. 
But ultimately, what, what, what I really enjoy is when people say, hey, you know what, he's actually a good guy. And so that legacy has to be beyond business. It has to be the relationships and the people. And for me, um, that's what I care about, honestly. The, the business part takes care of itself, honestly. Well, I can tell you with complete honesty, whenever I told our producer, Trey, and other people up here that you were my guest today, they're like, oh, he's such a good guy. <laughs> That's awesome. So That's awesome. You win. Yeah, I'm on the right track, I guess, right? <laughs> you are. How do people find you in the Dallas Business Journal? How do they connect with you? Uh, easy to find, dallasbusinessjournal.com. Um, if you want to get our newsletter, it's a free newsletter. It mm -hmm. keeps you informed. Dallas Biz Update, B-I-Z update um, and to find me social media is the easiest I'm, I'm very easy to find uh, type my name in I, my name is not Mike Smith so it's easy because, <laughs> because it looks different type in all see and I'll come up on on Instagram Twitter um, LinkedIn I'm on there quite a bit so awesome yeah easy to find awesome yeah well I just have one more thing to say to you yeah case you are a VIP awesome thank you <laughs> I appreciate that you too and that's a wrap for today Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.